0: kids crew, so this is going to be for our kids who are 6th grade and under, to be able to make their way upstairs to join our leaders for kids crew this morning. As they do that, let me encourage you to turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 is going to be where we begin this morning. Now, we're going to move around in the book of Hebrews quite a bit today as we look at hope and really, ultimately, how Jesus is the fulfillment of our hope. But we'll begin in just a moment in chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3. As we think about Christmas being upon us and, and the season of Advent, of course we know that Advent ultimately is uh, is a season where we, we look to the coming of Christ. We look to We look to Christmas as the time when God came into the world to save us from our sin. And Advent is a reminder that Jesus desires to be in a relationship with us, that he desires to know us personally, and that through faith we can have that relationship with him. He can be ultimately the fulfillment of all the longing of our hearts, We've chosen this title, A Thrill of Hope, as the title for our Advent study this season because I love the, I love the phrase in the song that this comes from: that it says, A Thrill of Hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. It's, it's, that, it's, it's that idea of the coming, the, the building anticipation that, that something greater is coming, something, of course we know that something to be Jesus, that Jesus is the one. And so at Christmas we're celebrating his advent, his coming into the world. He is the thrill of our hope. He is the source, the, 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 the fulfillment of all of our expectation and the longing of our hearts. And that begins by understanding that Jesus is our hope. And so this morning we look at what it means to see Jesus as our hope, that Jesus brings us hope. You know, Christmas morning is in many ways it is the culmination it is the climax of the 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 building anticipation of this season especially for kids right I mean remember when you were a kid and think of of what it's like to see Christmas morning through the eyes of a child think back on that maybe maybe through the eyes of your own children now if they're in that stage of life where Christmas morning is just it for them, right? Or, or if perhaps if your kids are a little bit older or maybe you don't have children, think back to uh, days gone by. Maybe when your children were younger, maybe when you yourself were in that situation, when you were in that stage of life and all of the, all of the expectation, all of the excitement that you had for Christmas morning, opening those, opening those presents, seeing all of those hopes and dreams come to life, right? When I was a kid, our system wasn't nearly as sophisticated as the way that it works now. So now when your kids want something, like they get on Amazon and they create a wish list or, uh, you know, they, they go online somewhere and they say, here it is. I, I like this. When I was a kid, what we had was the Sears and Roebuck catalog, right? The wish book. You would, you would look through the wish book. My grandmother kept the wish book. Underneath her couch. So she had this couch in her living room that had a skirt on it. And you know, those giant catalogs that you would get in the mail. And she would keep the catalog under the the couch in the living room. And so when we would go to grandma's house, we would all go and we would pull out the catalog and we would thumb through the pages and we would use a pen or a highlighter and we would highlight all the things that we wanted that, that we hoped to get on Christmas morning. And, and, and so, you know, we would even prioritize them, you know, if you want this one more than they. And, and all of that, all of that are those, those, those memories that I have of Christmas as a child. I, I think about that when I think about the anticipation, the excitement of Christmas morning and what those mornings were like as a as a child. I think about what it's been like as a parent to watch my own children uh, go through, grow through those stages of life. Our kids are old enough now that we don't, there's still a lot of hope and a lot of excitement at Christmas on Christmas morning, but it's not quite like it was when, you know, the children were little and they would, you know, they would they couldn't wait to rip open a package and they might literally cry out in excitement for what they, you know, uh, you think about all that. You think about the, the joy. You think about the anticipation. You think about all those things that come to their culmination on Christmas morning. Now, we know that historically speaking, in all likelihood, Jesus wasn't, well, not in all likelihood, Jesus wasn't born on December the 25th. Jesus was born at a, at a time of year when, when a census was taking place. They didn't do census in the middle of the, the winter time. That's not when, when they would take a census. And so it was in all likelihood a different time of year. But throughout the years of church history, that date was was settled upon. And, and so for, it's a long-standing tradition now that that's the date in the church's calendar, in the liturgical calendar calendar of the church. When we celebrate Christmas, of course, it's become much bigger than just the church. It's a full-on cultural phenomenon that transcends even our American culture. It transcends really, we we could say, cultures of the world today, this celebration of Christmas and, and all that it brings. But when we think back to the original Christmas and the scene and and the expectation and the anticipation that's really where i want us to go this morning as we think about what it means to see jesus as our hope i, I want to if i can reframe even the way that we think about hope the way that we understand hope or the way that we're going to talk about hope today because we tend to think of hope in terms of something that that we that we long for and yet we're not certain about. We tend to think of hope when we hope for something. It's something that we desire, something that we want, but we're not certain. And so hope for us, when, in, in the way that we commonly use it, carries a, a level of uncertainty, But the hope that I'm talking about this morning is not uncertain in any way. It is sure and steadfast. It is an anchor for our souls we're going to see. It is the very thing that we can tether our lives to knowing that when we place our hope in Jesus, we will never be disappointed because our hope is certain in Him. And so I want us to see that as we look at what the Bible teaches us about hope. Now, the Bible teaches about hope a lot, particularly in the New Testament. The theme of hope is woven throughout the majority of the books of the New Testament because the idea of hope itself is central to the gospel. But I want us to see it as it's placed within the framework, if you will, of the argument or the the, the teaching of the book of Hebrews. So we're going to be in Hebrews this morning. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to work our way through the book of Hebrews, just kind of, uh, literally, I'm, I'm just cherry-picking a few texts here and there where we see this hope, and, and using these together, so, so building, if you will, a sort of a, a structure for us to see, or, or building the case for, for our hope as we see it rooted in the teaching in the book of Hebrews, rooted in the the very pages of Scripture, that we find our hope ultimately in Jesus. And so the first thing that we see in the the book of Hebrews, the first part of this hope is we see the source of our hope. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Let's look at verse 6 together. We read, that Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. And now notice the words here that, that we've sort of emphasized on the screen. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in hope. That we hold fast our confidence. In our hope, our boasting, and that's not boasting in a way that is arrogant or prideful, but a boast in in as much as we understand our, the, the thing that we exalt, the thing that we emphasize, the thing that we celebrate. That's the way that the word boasting is being used here. So we hold fast in our confidence, in our boasting, in our celebration of our hope in Jesus, because he is the source of our hope. Scan over to Hebrews chapter 6. Look at verses 19 and 20. Hebrews chapter 6. A few chapters over, perhaps even a few pages over in your Bible. Look at verses 19 and 20. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place. Behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's unpack this a little bit as we think about what all of this means. First of all, we understand that Jesus is literally, he is the source. He is the wellspring. He is the the genesis of our hope. The source of our hope is in Jesus. And we we hold fast to that hope by holding fast to Jesus, Hebrews chapter 3 verse says, that we hold fast to our confidence in him. Chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, 19 in particular, tells us that that hope is a steadfast anchor for the soul, that it is something that we can, that we can anchor our lives to, something that will, that will be true no matter what, something that will guide us through the ups and downs, the highs and lows, this hope that we have in Jesus. You see, our hope in Jesus is not a hope with this with with this element of uncertainty. It is a hope that is rooted in the guarantee and the promise of God that he would be the source of our salvation. He is steadfast. He is an anchor. He is a hope. So what does it mean, that a hope that enters into the inner place? The inner place was the place where the presence of God dwelt. And so to say that Jesus enters into the inner place is speaking about Jesus as an offering because it was in that inner place where the presence of God dwelt over the Ark of the Covenant that that was where there was the mercy seat on the top of the Ark of the Covenant was A place known as the mercy seat. And the mercy seat was where the high priest would go in and he would sprinkle the blood of the atoning sacrifice on the day of Yom Kippur, the the high holy day, the day of atonement. And he would sprinkle the blood of the the, the goat, the, the sacrifice over that mercy seat. And that was representative of the shedding of blood that was made as payment for the sins of the people. But what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that Jesus himself enters into that inner place, that Jesus himself becomes the sacrifice for us. Not only is he the one that is able to go into the inner place, a place that reserved only for the high priest, but he himself was the sacrifice. And so being a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, Melchizedek was in the Old Testament was a priest and a king. He was a priest and a king. So Jesus is the priest and the king who is able to enter into the holy place, the presence of God. And not only does he enter into that place to make sacrifice for us, but he himself is the sacrifice that is made for us on our behalf. He is the source of our hope because he is our salvation. This hope itself is rooted in our understanding of the presence of God in our lives. We have hope because we have the presence of God with us. We have God with us. God guiding us through the person, the work of his Holy Spirit in our hearts as believers. And that is made available to us because of Jesus and his work on the cross, his atoning work, that he became the sacrifice, even as we sang about in the song, a few minutes ago, Jesus Messiah. We sang, he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That's lifted from the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. That's almost a word-for-word quotation of 2 Corinthians 5, 21, which tells us that Jesus became our righteousness so that we might have a right relationship with God. He himself entered into that holy place, making payment through the shedding of his own blood, and so when we think about our hope, when we think about where does our hope come from? Our hope comes from Jesus, who is the source of our hope. Not only that, we see that Jesus is the source of our hope. He's the substance of our hope. So our hope begins in Jesus because of the work of Jesus. But our hope ultimately is, is founded upon, it is it is in it is Jesus? I don't know a clearer way to say that other than just to say Jesus is the hope. The hope isn't something that Jesus brings us. It isn't something that Jesus gives us. It's not a work that Jesus does in us or through us. Jesus is our hope. He is our hope. The one that we look to. Let's look at Hebrews chapter seven, verse nineteen. Hebrews seven nineteen tells us that on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. So the law gave us a hope, and I'm picking up the argument of Hebrews chapter seven here, which tells us that the law, the law couldn't save us because the law was inadequate, because the law told us about our sin, the law informed us of our sin and our need for atonement, but ultimately the law couldn't save us from that sin. But through Jesus, we have a new hope that is introduced, a better hope. A, a hope that is permanent, that is eternal, because it's not rooted in our works. It's not rooted in the, the blood of an animal offered as a sacrifice, but it's, it's, it's founded upon the very sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. His blood shed for us on the cross. And so we have this new hope. A better hope is introduced through Jesus. Jesus himself is the better hope. See, as long as we're hoping in the things that we might do. As long as we are hoping in our works, we will always be disappointed. As long as you are hoping in your ability to be good enough, to do enough right things, to say the right thing, to think the right things, to do the right actions, to have the right intentions, you will always come up short. But when your hope is in Jesus, even when you fall short, you understand that Jesus is the one who is carrying you. He is the substance of your hope. Your hope isn't in you, in your, in your goodness. Now, we want to be good because we want to live our lives as a response, as a worshipful response to him. We just spent six weeks in a, in a deep dive in Romans chapter 12 that we saw that when we live our lives to him, that's our, that's our real worship ultimately when we offer our lives as a living sacrifice we know that the way we live is a response to it is in many ways it is a reflection of the the reality of faith that is in our hearts but our hope is not in us it's not in our response our hope is in jesus who is the substance he is the one he is the hope he is the one in whom our hopes rest and so we draw near to god through hoping in Jesus for our salvation. We draw near to God in full assurance of our faith, knowing that as we trust in Jesus, we will never be disappointed. That's why I can say that that hope is is really fundamental to our understanding of the gospel. Because when we understand the gospel, we, we know that on our own, we're hopeless. But because of Jesus, we can have hope. When we really understand the gospel rightly, it brings hope to us because we see Jesus as the substance. He's the very essence of our hope. And so he is, as Hebrews says, a better hope. He's the better hope through which we draw near to God. How do we draw near to God? Through faith in Jesus. So we've seen that he's the substance of our hope, He's the source of our hope. It begins with him. He's the substance. He, he really is what hope is all about, is about Jesus. Next, we see the steadfastness of our hope. Meaning, if, if I can say it this way, the, the, the permanence or the enduring nature of our hope. That, that our hope is, it's guaranteed by Jesus, the very source, the very substance of our hope. So go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. I know I'm moving through Hebrews and I'm I'm just kind of highlighting these verses where we see this thread of hope. But if you go back and you were to read... Hebrews chapter 8 and chapter 9 and even chapter 10, what leads to this point in chapter 10, what you're going to read about is how Jesus is this sacrifice. Jesus is this atoning work who was offered once and for all as payment for our sins so that Jesus is, he fulfills that order of Melchizedek that Hebrews 7 tells us about by becoming the very payment for our sins, both the priest and the king forever forever. He gave his life as payment for our sin and we see that that now that that hope that we have in Jesus is sure it's steadfast we've already read in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 chapter 10 verse 23 we read this So then let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful We should hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. What it means to hold fast to something. Think about what it means to hold fast to something. To hold fast means that we, we we might say it this way, that we, that we endure. To hold fast means that we persevere. And so what we're, what we're reading here, when we see it in this light, when we, when we use even this particular wording is that we would we would persevere we would persevere with this confession of our hope without wavering that we would endure in this confession that we would endure in the things that we have claimed to be true because we know that ultimately Jesus is the one who is the source of that hope Jesus is the one who who is the substance of that hope, and he sustains us in that hope through his steadfastness. We don't use the word steadfast a lot anymore, but we do use words like certain. We do use words like uh, guarantee. We do use words like endurance. And that's the very heart of what this steadfastness is. It's a, it's something that will endure, something that is guaranteed to to be in it for the long haul, for the, for the long game, if you want to think of it that way. Jesus himself is steadfast, and because he is steadfast, meaning that he will be faithful, he will be true to his promise, he will be true to provide our salvation when we place our faith in him, he will never disappoint our hope. We can, we can trust in him, and we can hold fast to him. Hold fast to his promise. Why? For he who promised is faithful. See, your hope ultimately is only as good as the thing that you're hoping in. Our hopes are only as good as the thing that we hope for or that we hope in. There were lots of Christmases as a child that I felt like I had made it very clear what was to be the number one priority on the gift list, right? I, I made it very clear that this is the thing that I want more than anything else because perhaps like a lot of kids, I would just say, this is the thing that I want more than anything else. I made it abundantly clear. And it, sometimes that worked in my favor and sometimes it didn't work in my favor, right? I didn't always get the thing that I had most clearly identified. This is it. This is, this is the number one desire of my, of, of my heart for Christmas this year. And we think about Giving gifts, and we think about those childlike expectations or those maybe even in many ways we might identify them truly as childish wants and expectations. We need not think of the hope that we have in Jesus along those lines because I had no control ultimately over what someone else was going to give me for Christmas as a child. I hoped in what I might get, but at the end of the day, the person giving the gift was the one who had all the control and and then they were the one that that ultimately either uh, met or didn't meet my expectations right when we talk about our hope being placed in Jesus at the end of the day because our hope is Based upon him, he's the source of our hope. He's the substance of our hope. He's steadfast, the steadfastness of the hope that, that, that will endure when we, when we place our hope in Jesus. Because of that, we know that our hope is certain. And so that's really the last point that I want us to see is the certainty of our hope. Now, it doesn't start with the letter S. I know that might disappoint some, right? I work real hard to try to alliterate this, but, but it sounds the same, right? The certainty of our hope, And we see that, look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We have an assurance of the things that we hope for. And that is what informs the life of faith that we are to lead. We can live by faith Because what we hope for is certain. Why? Well, we saw in Hebrews 10, 23, a few verses earlier, for he who promised is faithful. See, our hope is certain because our hope is not tied to something in this world. Our hope is not tied to our circumstance. Your hope is not tied to your situation. Your hope is tied to Jesus. And because your hope is tied to Jesus, because he is the anchor of your soul, your hope can be certain. Your hope can be certain. It's the certainty of our hope. I think uh, maybe, a, maybe a simple, perhaps even an overly simple example of this. You remember a few years ago, the big financial scandal with a guy named Bernie Madoff? You remember that? That there were all of these people who had invested money with Bernie Madoff And he pulled what's called a Ponzi scheme. I don't even really know what that is, but that's what he did, evidently, right? And at the end of the day, what it all boiled down to was people had given him money and he told them that he had invested it, but in fact had not. And so all of these people that thought that they had secured their investments with this financial guru guy came to find that they didn't have anything, because they had poured their money into something that was essentially the financial equivalent of a black hole. That it was gone. So much of the time in this world, when we, when we fix our hopes to the things in this world, what we find is that our hopes just vanish. They disappear because the things in this world have no permanence. And so when your hope is fixed to your, your health, what happens when when, when, when you have, a, when you have a, a health scare? What happens when someone you love goes through a difficult time, a time of sickness, a time of illness, when your hope is tied to your relationship? What happens when the people that you're in relationship with don't do the things that you want them to do and they hurt you or they disappoint you somehow? When your hope is tied to your finances, your wealth, what happens when the when, when the bottom falls out of the market, what happens, when, what happens when the source of your wealth dries up? When your hope is tied to your kids and all the dreams and all the things that you want to see them do, what happens when they decide that they want to go in a different direction? When our hope is tied to the things of this world, we can be so quickly and so easily disappointed. And when our hope is tied to Jesus, similarly... We will never be disappointed. We will never be let down because Jesus himself is faithful for he who promised is faithful. And so he is truly the assurance of the thing that we hope for. So we place our faith in Jesus, not in ourselves, not in our circumstance, not in our situation, not in our, not in our, our lives or, or our abilities, We fix our hope on Jesus. We remain true to him, faithful to him, knowing that he will remain faithful and true to us, faithful and true to his promise. When you place your hope in Jesus, you have a certain hope, a certain hope. This morning, we're gonna have a a, a time of response in just a few moments. And in that time of response, Response this morning. There's going to be an opportunity for you to place your faith in Jesus, perhaps if you're here today. And there's never been that moment in your life when you have anchored your soul, if I can borrow those words from Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19, when you have anchored your soul to Jesus by hoping in him, by hoping in his promise of salvation, by hoping in him for the forgiveness of your sins, for the the new life, the eternal life that Jesus gives to those who trust in him, then today would you, would you be willing, are you ready to trust in Jesus, to place your faith in him, to admit your sin before God, to trust in his ability to forgive your sins, to make you new to confess Him as the Savior, the Lord of your life. If you're ready to do that, then during our invitation today, you can come forward and take myself, take Brad, take us by the hand and just say, today I'm ready to place my hope in Jesus. We would love to walk you through a prayer of faith that you would confess Him as the Lord, as the Savior of your life. Maybe you're here and you've done that. Maybe you know that you've placed your faith in Jesus, but the truth of the matter is, your hopes still rest on other things. You would say, I, I've trusted in Jesus and yet, if I'm being honest, so much of the time, I struggle with making him the source of my hope, the substance of my hope. Instead, I want to rely on other things. I want to look to other things. And today, we want to offer you this time of invitation, this time of response, as a moment where you can, where you can get that right, where you can fall on your knees before God in prayer and say, Lord, I want you to be the source of my hope. I want you to be the substance of my hope. I want to be steadfast in that hope because I don't want my hope to be based on the things of this world. I want my hope to be rooted in the certain promises that you have given, the, the guarantees, the certainty that comes through faith in Jesus. And so today you can you can I would just encourage you, confess it, acknowledge it before God. Lord, my hope has been in my kids. Lord, my hope has been in my job. Lord, my hope has been in. My, my health, Lord, my hope has been in my relationship. God, my hope has been in whatever that might be. Confess that to him this morning and say, but Lord, but instead I want my hope to be in you. Jesus, would you be my hope today? Would you be my hope? Would you fulfill the desires of my heart help me to fix my eyes on you? Help me to make you, help me to make you the substance of my hope as I trust in you that's your heart and that's your desire today that I would encourage you you would pray that prayer now you can do that where you're seated just as truly as you can do that here but there's something about coming to the altar there's something about the the willingness to move in response as God stirs your heart that that I think that it it, it um it it creates a moment in your life. It, it drives sort of a spiritual marker in place that you can look back at this moment, you can look back at this time, that today, December the 1st, 2019, when you were willing to get on your knees before the Lord and say, God, I want my hope to be in you. And if that's you today, I would encourage you that you would come, and you would make that commitment before God here at the altar during this time of response. in Whatever way God is moving you, as we as we sing our response to him, as we confess our hope to him, saying that, Jesus, we want you to be our hope. We want you to be the source of, the substance of our hope. We want to be steadfast in that hope as we trust in you, knowing that our hope is certain when when our hopes are fixed upon you. As we we make that confession through song this morning, I would encourage you to come and kneel here at the altar and, and just cry out to God. And do business as the Lord directs your heart this morning. And so I want to move us into our time of response, our time of invitation by praying. And then after we pray, we'll stand together and sing this song of commitment. Would you pray with me? Lord, we pray this morning for you to work in our hearts as we look to you, Jesus. As we acknowledge you as the source of, the substance of our hope. As we recognize ultimately that you are the one That our hearts long for. Lord, we pray that you would move in us. If there's anyone here this morning that has never placed their faith in you, they've never trusted in you for the forgiveness of their sins, I pray that this would be the moment when they would trust in you. Jesus, this would be the moment when they would look to you by faith, confessing their sins, calling upon you as Savior and Lord. Lord, if if there's anyone here this morning that you're moving and stirring in their heart and you're directing them in, in a, a particular method of response, a particular way that you want them to respond. And even in that, I pray for the willingness to, to move in obedience to your spirit. And so move in us now, Lord, as we as we call out to you, as we turn our hearts to you, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and